Hey, everybody. This is Halloween. It's Halloween. And this is our Myth and Monsters episode. It's actually episode nine. We've had nine episodes of Myths and Monsters. And oh, wow. this one is so exciting because it's Halloween. So I have to show everybody I'm wearing. Okay, so I have a new t-shirt. It says Drink Up Witches. And you have on a shirt. I do. It's a skeleton. In my skeleton. Hair. And I'm wearing my Dragon Craft Creations Halloween jewelry that's got a little skeleton and it's orange and black and silver. I love and, it. Oh, and I'm drinking out of this cup that, well, it's not a cup, it's a glass yeah. that my parents gave me because they know that Halloween is my very favorite holiday. I love that glass. It's got like the fingers wrapping around it. That's yes. Cool. Oh yeah, I forgot for our people who don't see us. It is. It's a skeleton hand. The wrist bone is the stem and the skeleton hand is holding the glass, which is holding my wine. And yeah. it's very heavy. It's uh, pewter, I think, on the bottom, but it, it's gorgeous. So we are very festive today. We are. So what is your topic? So I'm going to do the general history of Halloween as we know it today. Yay! So, oh, and then there's a fun, oh, as I was researching this, I was, uh, I wanted some like fun facts and stuff. So I'm going to tell an additional story that's not necessarily about the history of Halloween, but is the history of jack-o'-lanterns and where that, that uh, tradition came from. How fun! And my topic after her topic will be the Ouija board. I'm excited. Yes, I'm excited to hear what you have on that because like, I mean, I know like Ouija boards, obviously, but like, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what your stuff's going to be. Like. Well, on Halloween, all I know is that it used to be a pagan holiday. Well, I don't even know that it was a holiday, but it was when the time the veils were supposed to be thin or something like that. That's all I know. I'll about it. I'll tell you everything. Well, tell me, tell me. All right. So I got all of my information from history.com, which I think is a pretty good source for how things move out and everything. So... Halloween's origins date back to the most ancient Celtic festival, Samhain. Um, and for those of you who don't know, it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, which is like a hilarious way to spell things, but that's just the, the way that the Celts uh, uh, pronounce their Pronounce it, yeah. Um, so the Celts who lived 2,000 years ago, uh, mostly in the area that is now Ireland, uh, the United Kingdom, and Northern France, celebrated their new year on November 1st. Um, this day marked the end of the summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter, uh, which was a time that was often associated with human death. Uh, Celts believe that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. Um, uh, so that's see, what you were talking about. That's yeah. the only thing I knew. Yeah. Um, so on the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain, which um, when it was believed that the ghost, uh, the dead returned to Earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, Celts thought that the presence of otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids, or the Celtic priests, uh, to make predictions about the future. So for a people entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, uh, these right. prophecies were an important source of comfort during the long, dark winter. Um, okay. So they used it as a way to, to predict, you know, oh, you're going to be fine during the winter, or you'll have plenty of food during the winter, like those kinds of predictions. So was it a celebration or a time of fear? It was a celebration, I think. I think it was just a way for everybody to come together um, and celebrate their, their new year and then kind of look forward to, well, we've got the winter ahead of us. How about we celebrate together and have this festival and, um, and, and come together and uh, do these future predictions like one last hurrah and let's hope the future holds holds good things yeah exactly yeah yeah so to commemorate the event druids built huge sacred bonfires um so i knew about that part uh where the people gathered to burn crops and animals as sacrifices to the celtic deities so that you know things would look up for them over the winter oh that's um, weird that they would burn crops because they're facing a time of famine right you think they would want i guess in their minds, they're sacrificing something that they need, which is a true sacrifice. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so during the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. Well, I'm glad we don't wear animal skins and heads anymore. 
<laughs> you don't want to wear animal heads? What's wrong with you? No, no. <laughs> um, when the celebration was over, they relit their hearth fires, which they had extinguished earlier that evening from the sacred bonfires uh, to help protect them during the coming winter. So they used oh, this neat. fire as a way to, um, yeah, instill protection in their homes. Oh, I love um, that. Right? I thought that yeah. was really neat. I didn't know that part. Yeah, me neither. Um, by 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. Uh, in the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. Um, and so this is where it starts to kind of transition from only being a Celtic celebration um, of the, you know, the coming winter and the end of the summer, uh, and more into, towards what we know it as today. Okay. So... The first was Feralia, a day in late October when the Romans traditional, traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. Um, the second was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. Uh, the symbol of Pomona is the apple. This part I thought was really cool. The symbol of Pomona is the apple, and the incorporation of this into the celebration um, of Samhain probably explains the tradition of bobbing for apples that is practiced today on Halloween. How neat! I love right? that. So, like, I've heard of all these traditions, you know, like obviously the jack-o'-lantern, the bobbing for apples, you know, bats are a symbol of Halloween, like all this stuff. And I didn't know where all of it had come from, like why they were part of Halloween. And this, uh, like just reading about it today was super neat. This reminds me of that, that episode of Charmed where they went back and learned the history of witchcraft, where the witches came from and, you know, the sweeping and why there's a broom associated, all those kind of things. Right. That, yeah. That's so cool. That's a great episode. And yeah, no, you're right. This, this is exactly like that because I knew nothing of Halloween and now mm -hmm. I'm learning like all about where these things came from. Um, so by the ninth century, the influence of Christianity had spread into the Celtic lands, uh, where it gradually blended with and um, supplanted older Celtic rites. Uh, so in 1000 AD, the church made November 2nd All Souls Day, which was a day to honor the dead. And it's widely believed today that the church was attempting to replace the Celtic festival of Samhain um, of the dead with a related church-sanctioned holiday. So there's also the Catholic uh, well, I, well, I don't know. I think it's Catholic. Don't don't yell at me if I'm wrong. Um, the Day of the Dead now is November first. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know is, that's yeah, a mainly Hispanic thing, but I don't know because I know Mexico is big with the Day of the Dead, and that's that's a lot of Hispanic stuff. But I couldn't tell you the religion. Yeah, I think Catholicism was really strong back in the day in the Hispanic regions, and I think part of combining Halloween into the, the modern, quote, modern religions as opposed to the pagan religions was right. to appease the people. They wanted to bring the people into the new religion, and to do that, they had to kind of embrace these older pagan religions. So that, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so All Souls Day was celebrated similarly to Samhain with big bonfires, uh, parades, and dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and devils. Um, the All Saints Day celebration was also uh, called All Hallows or All Hallowmans, which was from a Middle English, and I don't know how to say this, which is, it's a All Hallow Mess, I think. It's a lot of letters. It's like okay. an 11th letter, <laughs> um, meaning All Saints Day. Okay. Uh, and the night before it, the traditional uh, night of Samhain in the Celtic religion began to be called All Hallows' Eve, and then eventually Halloween. Ah. Yeah. Ah, that's interesting. So, like Christmas Eve, this was supposed to be the Eve of the church religion. Right, yeah. Interesting. Also, yeah, interesting. which, like, knew, I knew it was called All, All Hallows' Eve, but I didn't yeah. know it was due to, you know, this blend of religion and the, the um, uh, incorporating of religions. Interesting. Um, so the American version of Halloween began to emerge. Um, so the first celebrations included play parties, which were public events to, uh, held to celebrate the harvest. Um, neighbors would share stories of the dead and tell each other's fortunes and dance and sing and all of that. And this is more like colonial. So like I say American, but it's, you know, it's um, still back in the day. So colonial Halloween festivities also featured the telling of ghost stories um, 
mischief making of all kinds and that kind of thing. By the middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivities were common, but Halloween was not yet celebrated everywhere in the country. So it was mostly focused um, in, in the Northeast. Uh, I think it said Maryland. Is where okay. It was. Uh, it was most popular. So by the end of the 1800s, more communities- Can I say something? Yes. That's so weird because the Ouija board came from Maryland. What? Really? Uh-huh. Weird. How weird. Maryland must be. We have to go to Maryland. Well, I guess we got to go to Maryland. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. All right. Uh, by the end of the 1800s, more communities pushed for a secular and safer uh, set of rituals. So people started holding Halloween parties that emphasized games, fall food, and costumes over witchcraft and troublemaking. They're like, let's let's get rid of this dangerous stuff and let's bring in more like fun festivities for this type of holiday. Okay. Um, so trick or treating skyrocketed in popularity in the 1950s uh, when Halloween became a true national event. So I guess that's when it became widely recognized and celebrated throughout the entire country. That's so recent. I know. I know. I, I thought that was thought so interesting. Trick or treating's been forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 1950s, so. Wow, my sister yeah. was born in 1959, so it was a new thing. That's crazy. I remember trick-or-treating as a kid. I, I guess I'll tell how old I am. I was born in 64, so, yeah. I mean, it, it was relative, it was very, very new. Yeah, yeah, uh, within the decade, uh, because, and, but they say that it skyrocketed in popularity in the 1950s. So that's when it became hugely popular. So by yeah. the time you were born and by the time Aunt Debbie was born, it was already popular. So that's yeah, why. there was no question that we would all trick or treat and, you know, dress up and have Halloween parties and all of that. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, I thought that was really neat. Um, today, over 179 million Americans celebrate the holiday uh, and spend about $9.1 billion on it per year, according to the National Retail Federation. Yeah, I, I do a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite holiday, so. Right. Well, I yeah. bought it. I bought this shirt for it and everything. So. Well, me too. I bought this. Daddy still doesn't know that I bought that. Well, he does know because it came and I showed him what I was going to wear. So I guess he oh, does, yeah. but he didn't yeah. know before I bought it. But yeah. like uh, for court all last week, I had my little pumpkin. It's this cool oh, yeah. Zentangle pumpkin for those of us, those of you all that can't see, but I have Zoom court. I've been living in this room lately. Yeah. I, it, this yeah. room is like becoming a, prison cell. But anyway, I had to have my little uh, Halloween decoration and it, it is this beautiful Zentangle pumpkin. Oh, that's um, super cute. Isn't that adorable? And I've had it with me all last week and all this week. Uh, I'm finally done with Zoom court until two weeks from now. Woohoo! Yeah, woohoo! <laughs> Actually, that might be a lie. I have in-person court. Well, I have in-person court, so I won't be here. Well, that's fair. Yeah, anyway. That is fair. I'm sorry, I got off topic. Oh, no, that's good. You were talking about your pumpkin. I do. I love my pumpkin. <laughs> um, let's see. So nowadays, many of us associate bats with Halloween. And mm -hmm. the same was probably true for centuries ago, too. Uh, when the Celts lit bonfires, the bonfires would attract bugs, and the bugs would attract bats. <gasps> Oh, how neat is that? Yeah, yeah. So that's super cool. Oh, then, so here is the jack-o'-lantern thing. And okay. it's, it's a really cool little story that I'm just going to uh, go over with, go over uh, pretty quickly. Um, but the practice of decorating jack-o'-lanterns originated in Ireland, where large turnips and potatoes served as early canvases. So, in fact, the name jack-o'-lantern comes from an Irish folktale about the, a man named Stingy Jack. So, here's the story of Stingy Jack. Okay. So, people have been making jack-o'-lanterns at Halloween for centuries. Uh, it's a long-practiced um, tradition. Uh, the, the practice originated from an Irish myth about a man named Stingy Jack. And according to the story, Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink, so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack could then use to pay for their drinks. Uh, once the devil did so, uh, Jack decided to keep the money and put it into his pocket next to a silver cross, which prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. So, that is Jack, 
<laughs> I know. I didn't know anything about this. Like I knew about the turnip thing. Like I knew turnips were used as jack-o'-lanterns, but I didn't know the story behind all of this. This could be a, a urban fantasy. There could be something about this. This is awesome. Right, right? Yes. Um, so Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year and that should Jack die, he would not claim his soul. The next year, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. Apparently the devil is gullible. <laughs> was it an apple? Uh, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. <laughs> We're going to go with it was an apple. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> while he was up in the tree, Jack carved the sign of the cross into the tree's bark so the devil could not come down until the devil had promised Jack not to bother him for 10 more years. Now, that 10-year thing is interesting because in Supernatural, when you make a, a deal with a crossroad demon, it's yeah. ten, 10 years. Right, right. Huh. I wonder if that's like a thing. I should research that, like if that's actually, you know, if there's a, a lot thing. of 10-year yeah. contracts kind of thing. Yeah. So soon after the tree thing happened, uh, Jack died. As the legend goes, God would not allow such an unsavory figure into heaven. The devil, upset by the trick that Jack had played on him and keeping his word not to claim his soul, would not allow Jack into hell. Uh, he sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved out turnip and has been roaming the earth ever since. <gasps> oh right? my God. Yeah, yeah. So the Irish began to refer, refer to the, his ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern and then simply Jack o' Lantern. Um, oh my God, that's amazing. I had no idea. Right? I love this story so much because I wasn't going to do it because it's not necessarily a part of the history of Halloween, but then I like love the story so much that I was like, I have to tell it. It, it really is. I mean, why do we have jack-o'-lanterns? That is absolutely Halloween. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in Ireland and Scotland, people began to make their own versions of jack-o'-lanterns by carving scary faces into turnips and potatoes and placing them into windows or near doors to frighten away stingy Jack and other wandering evil spirits. In England, large beats are used. Immigrants from these countries brought the jack-o'-lantern tradition with them uh, when they came to the United States. Um, they soon found that pumpkins, a fruit native to America, make perfect jack-o'-lanterns. That is amazing. That is brilliant. I love that story. Yeah, I thought it was pretty great. I had to tell it because I loved it so much. I absolutely love it. And, yeah. you know, I now in my brain, my little writer's brain that I've got going, I can mm -hmm. just see the story of a coin. Yeah. That is really the devil and someone inheriting or finding or collecting that coin and all the mischief that could happen from that. Oh, what a great story that would oh be. Oh, my God. Go write that. You should I think write I that. might. I'll write that in the style of, um, uh, like, freaking fairies type because that would be hilarious. The humor? Yes. Have it. Yeah, I I think I will. That may be my new book. That'd be great. I that's the first time in a long time. I mean, I've I've had some ideas turning, but nothing has really popped out at me. Like I'm really jealous of you because I know that you um, have come up with an idea for a new book. Oh yeah, I have. I mean, kind of, it's it's been there for a little bit too. But like, I woke up this morning and was thinking about it. So. Yeah, but this coin idea with the devil, and it can be hilarious. Oh my gosh, please do it. I would love to read it in the, the humor style you have. That would be so good. I'm going to do it. I think it's yeah. it's already bubbling in my brain. That's that awesome. is awesome. Good, good, good. Was that all you had on Halloween? That is all I have on Halloween. Well, let's move on to the Ouija board. Tell me about the Ouija boards. Okay, so Ouija, which is spelled O-U-I-G-A, I pronounce it Ouija, whether there's another way to pronounce it, I don't know, but it's always been Ouija to me, like W-E-E-G-E-E, -E -E, Ouija. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is it? It is a spirit board or talking board. It's a flat board that's marked with letters of the alphabet, the numbers zero through nine, and the words yes, no, and usually hello and goodbye, along with various symbols and graphics on the board. I already um, have a question. Yes. Could you theoretically like write 
out the letters and stuff, like make a Ouija board on your own piece, like a piece of paper and yes. have it work? Okay. Yes. There are actually stories, and I don't know if I've included that in any of this, where people have done that. You can do it in dirt. Oh, um, that's make, not a board. <laughs> makeshift dirt, though, but you write, you can make a board out of anything that has those letters and numbers and all of that on it. Do you think that that makes the earth a Ouija board and then you could pull through stronger spirits? That's a frightening thought. Because you know what I'm saying? Cause like the earth would be your Ouija board. That is another story idea right there. Ooh, creepy. <laughs> okay. It uses a planchette, which is a small heart shaped piece of wood or plastic, you know, kind of, kind of like that with the pointy end and usually a little, um, like a window, like a glass yeah, a window in yeah. the middle of it. I gave one to my daughter-in-law, Montana. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Oh, I should have written that. It, she is Raven something. Oh, I will have to post it. She makes the most beautiful planchettes ever oh. for my daughter-in-law, Montana. She is into the occult as well. And I got her a Ouija board that was made on Etsy, by the way, and the planchette I bought through Etsy as well. And it was Raven, Raven Co., I think might be her company. And she is out of um, Europe and I ordered it from her, even though it had to come all the way from Europe to the United States. She is brilliant. Her artwork is beautiful. And the planchette was absolutely gorgeous. So yeah. anyway, um, this planchette, is a movable, movable indicator to spell out messages during your session with this Ouija board. So participants will place their fingers or a finger or however, one finger, all, you know, however you want to do it on the planchette and the planchette moves around the board and it spells out words and answers your questions. Now the name Ouija is a trademark of Hasbro, which is a oh. game, a game, a toy company. Right, right. But it's often used generically for all talking boards. Oh, I see. You know, people know Ouija in, in your mind. You think, oh, I know what a Ouija board is. Well, right, right. that's actually a trademarked thing of the Hasbro company. But that is what people think of when, when you say Ouija, you think of the talking boards. So was there another name for them before the toy uh, thingy? Pretty much spirit boards, talking boards. That kind of thing. Um, yeah. According to Hasbro, it's a simple little game where you players take turns asking questions and then you quote, wait to see what the planchette spells out for them. I see. Yeah. Which is creepy to me to make a you game. I actually do. You know, but, but like, do you think children should do that? <laughs> well, let me tell you a story. Did you know that you're, Sister number three, Jordan, her first date with her now husband was to go to a graveyard and play Ouija in a frickin' graveyard. What the hell is wrong with that child? <laughs> she takes after you. Yes, she does. I, you're right. You're absolutely right. So the history of the Ouija board. It was first commercially introduced by Elijah Bond on July 1st, 1890. And he introduced it simply as a parlor game. Right. Much earlier uses include it's China back in 1100 AD. Um, that's the first mentions we can find in China of what they call, quote, automatic writing. Oh. Which is what really the planchette does. Right. Um, and historical documents uh, show that it came out in the Song Dynasty, which I didn't look up to see what years that was, but approximately 1100 AD. Mm -hmm. um, that method was known as Fuji, which is translated as planchette writing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it was purportedly used in necromancy and communication with the dead in China until it was banned in a later dynasty. Well, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's allegedly been practiced in India, Greece, Rome, and medieval Europe. 
spiritualists believe that the dead are able to communicate uh, with the living and reportedly use these talking boards, which are very similar to the modern Ouija boards in their camps in Ohio in 1886. Oh. Which I was like, what is a camp? Why is it called a camp? Like Girl Scout camps? What, what right. the heck are you talking about? Right. But then I learned that um, there, there's more discussion of these spiritualist camps. So I don't know if that means you know, like we have our carnivals today that move around. Were there these camps of spiritualists that moved around? Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. But it, it, the they wrote about it as if it was like common knowledge. And I'm going, well, okay. Sure, sure. Um, the Ouija board itself, the, the modern Ouija board, was created and named in Baltimore, Maryland, which is what I was talking oh, about, right. in 1890. And it was so common by, um, well, this says 1886, so I guess it was becoming common prior to the actual uh, trademark of Ouija being named. Right. Um, that the news reported it, this reported, wow, reported <laughs> this phenomenon as taking over these spiritualist camps in Ohio, again with the camps. Interesting. Yeah. That's weird. I, I wonder if it was if they were just like clusters of people who like shared the same mindset kind of thing. Like, I don't know that they would literally be camps, but maybe, I don't know. I, I, all I can envision is like the Renaissance festivals that move as a group right. from place to place. You know, I don't know. William Fould, F-U-L-D, Fould, was a former employer employee of Elijah Bond, and he was in charge of under Elijah Bond making these spirit boards. Yeah, he started producing his own spirit boards, and he's the one that coined the name Ouija. Gotcha. Okay. Which is the Egyptian word, an ancient Egyptian word meaning good luck. Interesting. Which. If you take that sarcastically, good luck. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, you know? Like, you'll need it. But in the beginning, it was just this little parlor game, you know, like, makes me think of um, watching Scrooge, where they were the playing the musical Scrooge, which is my favorite of all the, the Scrooge books, where they're playing, you know, the minister's cat, where you have to go through oh, the yeah. alphabet. So I can see these people you know, dressed in those ancient clothes, playing the Ouija board. It was just a parlor game at that point. Yeah. It wasn't until an American spiritualist named Pearl Curran used it as a divining tool during World War One that oh. it became associated with the occult here in the United States. Interesting. Mm-hmm. In 1966, that Fuld estate, F-U-L-D estate, sold all the rights to Parker Brothers which is also a gaming company, right. who then sold it to Hasbro in 1991, and Hasbro still owns the trademark of Ouija. That's so interesting. I wonder if people, it's a really random thought, if people have to pay royalties in order to make movies called Ouija and like that kind of stuff to Hasbro. I wonder. Because there's so many things. Do we have to pay royalties if we use the name Ouija? I guess so, in our books. Oh, that's so we might have to call them talking boards, spirit boards, or whatever, or spirit boards, huh? Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. So, the rest of my information I got from a website, fascinating website. It is www.ghostinvestigationteam.uk/slash Ouija boards.html. Okay. And I love it. They, they had a history and all of that stuff too, but my favorite part of their little website, well, their little blog about this was all the rules. Oh yes. The Please rules. Tell me all the rules. Cause I know some of them and then I know like different versions of some of them. So like, I'm interested to see what they say. Yeah. Your sister is like doomed. Oh, 100%. She broke every rule that's on this list. I'm like, Oh yeah. my Lord, my child. Yeah. So number one is never use the Ouija board alone, right. which is interesting. Number two, 
Never use a Ouija board if you are depressed, stressed, irate, upset, bored, furious, sad, trepidatious, afraid, shocked, overconfident, or drowsy as you could let a demon into your life. Okay, so basically don't use a Ouija board. Ever. <laughs> At all. If you get a demon, bleezing, bleezing, wow, blessing or cleansing the house could make the demon even worse than it already is. Oh, good. I know. Don't give the Ouija board to someone else to give them the problem. So, like, if you do end up with a demon, don't say, here, here, have a present for you. I imagine that would piss off a demon. Be like, are you kidding me? I'm here for you. <laughs> Never use a Ouija board if you think it is a game. Ah, but, I mean, it's labeled as a game. <laughs> exactly. Never let the spirits count down through the numbers or go through the alphabet as, as they can get out of the board this way. So I don't you, like the implications of that. Like, I know. How so do you if, stop? Like, do you pick up the planchette? I think so. It? Throw it across the room. <laughs> I feel like that's another way to let one in, too. I know. It's so scary. If the planchette goes to the four corners of the board, it implies that you have reached a wicked soul or an evil presence, which you could be letting into your life. Great. Awesome. Now, J Jordan said that our daughter, number three sister, um, yes. says that if the planchette takes itself to one of the corners, it is a spirit trying to escape the board. Okay. You ought to never use a Ouija board in the event that you are a doubter or an atheist, as you could get a wicked soul or devil. Oh, well, that, uh, you know, I guess I won't <laughs> do that. Oh, I still want to do it. <laughs> if the planchette tumbles from the Ouija board, a soul would get detached. Whose soul? Like a player's soul or... A demon? Do demons have souls? I don't know. Not a fan of that. Also, if you use the ground as your Ouija board, how can the planchette tumble? Off? Like, is there like a border? I guess you would have to draw a border, like a square around all the letters and the numbers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess. But how does the planchette move on dirt? Right, yeah. And I mean, it would I guess be really scary if it did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't be a fan of that. I just thought, you know, I guess, you know, if you did a border, like you said, then I what guess if that's you didn't, What if you didn't do a border? That's what I'm saying. I think the entire earth, there'd be like a massive demon that could come through. That's frightening. That would be my fear. Um, let's see. In the event that the planchette, in that event, oh, it has, it has instructions. In that event, like if the planchette, planchette tumbles from the Ouija board, then you flip it over and use it that way up. That that happens. To, that gets rid of any wicked soul. But you can't um, do that if you've drawn it in the dirt. You're just screwed. Yeah. So you're, you're, don't draw it in the dirt, everybody. If the planchette starts making the figure eight, it implies that a wicked soul is in control of the board. You've all probably heard this one. This one I knew. The board must be closed properly or evil spirits will remain behind to haunt the operator or the property. So, you know, where it says hello and goodbye, you've got to make sure you say goodbye. Um, Can we failing, go back to the figure eight thing really quick. Can you go, can you say that one more time? If the planchette starts making the, the infinity sign, the figure eight. Interesting then that means that a wicked soul is taken over the board. Don't like that. Okay, thank you. Thank you for, for if going you back over If <laughs> you fail to close the Ouija board properly after each session, it leaves the spirits or demons present and able to come into our world and affect us or Great. affect you, whoever it is that's doing this. Yeah. Should the demon not say goodbye, like you might not be able to get it to go to goodbye, then you have to repeat goodbye or leave in a very loud, stern voice and then pass the planchette through the flame of a candle. 
Wow, that what if you don't have a candle? I guess you better have a candle when you're going to play with candle, the Ouija board. Never use the Ouija board if you are ill or in a debilitated condition. Does that include drinking? Because 100%. Oh, that would be bad because that's probably the only time I would ever use a Ouija board <laughs> is when I've been drinking. Well, don't do that. <laughs> it says this would make you vulnerable or susceptible to possession. Yeah, see, that's another one that Jordan broke when they were in the graveyard playing with a Ouija board. Yeah, yeah. The spirit of a Ouija board creates wins, quote, wins for the user, causing him or her to become more and more dependent upon the, the board. This is called progressive entrapment. Oh, I don't like that term. I know. Not a fan. Evil spirits contacted through the Ouija board will endeavor to win your confidence with lies. So you ask it a question and it's going to lie to you. I don't like that. What if you ask it questions that like you already know the answer to like, See, and, it, and it could tell you the truth to, to make you think that, right. it's, you know? Yeah. Hmm. 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 Always be respectful and never upset the spirits. Fair. Yeah. I agree with that. Never use the Ouija in a graveyard. Jordan. Really? Yeah. Um, or where a terrible death has occurred, or you will bring forth malevolent entities. Right. The very first Ouija boards, and I don't know that this is true based on what we read about Hasbro and whatnot. The very first Ouija boards were made from the wood of coffins. Oh. A coffin nail in the center of the planchette window accommodated as the pointer to tell you what letter and number it was going to. Yeah. Sometimes an evil spirit can permanently inhabit a board. When this transpires, no other spirits will be able to utilize the board. Great. Mm -hmm. I, mm, mm. I'm not going to play with a Ouija board. Ouija boards. Uh, I want to though. <laughs> Ouija boards that are disposed of improperly come back to haunt the owner. Like come back like, like, they show back up at your house. Yeah. They, like I would imagine you try to dispose of it and get rid of it. Cause you're scared of it. You can't, if you don't do it properly, you're screwed. Uh, uh. A Ouija board will scream if you try to burn it. No, thanks. People who hear the scream have less than 36 hours to live. <laughs> oh my God. No, I know who wants to test that theory and see if no. in 36 hours you're going to die. Absolutely not. There is only one way to properly dispose of it. You okay. break the board into seven pieces and sprinkle it with holy water and then you bear, bury it. Okay. Which I think salt would probably work too. It wouldn't hurt, I feel like. Yeah, holy water, salt, iron, anything else you can get your hands on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Arrange the letters and numbers into a circle so whatever is trapped within the circle can't escape, which every Ouija board I've seen is like has, has them printed on it. So how do you arrange them in a circle? Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what that means. If you place a pristine silver coin on the board, no evil spirits will be able to come through, which as you and I know, because we've done so much research on lore and that kind of thing, iron and salt are also supposed to be detrimental to any kind of spirit. Right. Um, the thought of silver, silver has often been thought of to contain qualities that make it an effective weapon against evil spirits. The Chinese believe that placing a silver locket around their child's neck would ward off evil spirits. Huh. And the Incas believed that silver was where the silver is, the tears of the moon. And it is believed that silver has reflective properties. And that is the reason that silver is attributed with these powers. It catches the light and repels darkness. Oh, neat. So interesting, which is also another thing we can use in urban fantasy writing, yeah. silver, the yeah. silver qualities. And, that, and it comes from actual urban legends right. you know, that are in existence. Never, 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 never. Leave the planchette on the board when you're not using it. Oh, no. That's just like asking for a bunch of evil spirits to come in. 
Yeah, you're leaving the portal open. Yeah. Three things never to ask the Ouija board. Okay. Never ask about God. Okay. Never ask when you're going to die. Why would you? And never ask where the gold is buried. Apparently those three things piss off the demons or spirits or whatever it is we're talking to. Can I ask where money is buried? That would probably be considered quote gold. <laughs> can I can I ask where random objects are buried? <laughs> Maybe objects of power. The oops, as yeah. Karen Monning says. Yes. Um, it just this is very interesting to me because, and I have stories to tell in a minute, but yeah. the thought that talking boards have been used in so many different cultures through so much time makes me really wonder if there's something to it. Yeah. You know, and you make it as a parlor board game, but it wouldn't be any fun if it didn't do something. Right. You know, I if mean, everybody I've sits the there and waits. I mean, other than the fact that like at this point in time, like modern times doing it is fun just because no, you know, everyone's like, well, what if? And so like everybody stresses themselves out and they're like, oh, we're going to do this. Ouija board thing and then they're all there and we're all stressed out and blah whatever you know I feel like that's where the fun comes in these days uh but well, and we always that. suspect oh you're moving it you're moving yeah. it yeah what if no one's moving it and this right. spirit talking has gone on for enough years through enough generations through enough cultures there is probably something to it yeah yeah so I still want to play with it <laughs> Oh, I, I, I'm the one that wants to touch the tornado and the dust devils that your sister, your older sister is yeah. like, you know, she showed me a picture of it. She hates dust, dust devils. She is terrified of them. I know. And yeah, because you had to drive across country with her. And when there were dust devils, she's like, you're driving. But and I'm like, well, yep. <laughs> can I touch it? And she's like, mom, no. Yeah. So yeah. Me being the one that wants to play the Ouija board is not out of character. Yeah. Okay. So I have some Ouija board stories. This one's from Reddit. Okay. Which Reddit is full of really cool stuff. Anyway. Yeah. So this guy says, in high school, my friends and I were messing around with a Ouija board one night. We had done it before. Nothing remarkable ever happened. We usually did it to try to scare each other or our girlfriends. Well, we all thought it was a joke. The not, the not, that night, there was no one else home except the seven of us, and we were all together around the board. One of the girls wanted to try it. She had never done it before. This time was different. The board misspelled some of the words the same way every time. No. It gave answers that seemed historically accurate for our town, things we neither, we neither knew or cared about. Long story short, the spirit claimed it was a 10-year-old boy who had died on the property in the 18, 18, yeah, 1800s and was buried there, too, in an unmarked grave. My friend's house, where they were playing, was on a farm at the edge of town. We were all a little freaked out because the board had never been so detailed or consistent. However, we were still skepti skeptical and were all assuming one of us was trying to scare the rest. Yeah. Finally, my friend asked if the spirit could do something to prove he was there with us. It went to yes and then spelled out K-N-O-C-K. -K. Then the planchette stopped moving. We all just stared at it si silently, and then there was a rap, rap, rap on the window right next to us. No. The, lights were, the lights were on outside, and there was absolutely no one out there. We never touched that effing board again. No way. <laughs> Crazy, right? That's creepy. The next one was a Reader's Digest story. Okay. So this girl, she says, the first time I used a Ouija board, her name is Paige. I was about six or seven, and I was with my mom and older sister, who was 15 at the time. The family had just moved into a new house, much bigger and much older than the one we had previously lived in. That night, Paige her mother and her sister were eating pizza in the living room floor since they didn't have all of their furniture yet. They put on a fire to ease the chill out of the fall air. After dinner, her sister pushed her mom to let them play their old Ouija board game. 
As we were moving it, Paige continues, a box in the living room that had some books in it literally flew across the room. Shortly after that, the fire inexplicably, inexplicably went out and their mother was so shaken, she took the girls to their grandmother's house to spend the night. Wow. Yeah, no, yeah. thank you. Number three. Okay. Owen started playing with Ouija boards when he was a child, and he has continued to experience paranormal phenomena ever since. My grandfather on my dad's side died before I was born, he starts. He and my dad were estranged, and my dad never spoke of him or had any pictures of him around. One day, Owen began seeing and talking to a person he called Michael. Unbeknownst to him, Michael was his grandfather's name. Finally, my parents set me down to show and showed me a picture of the man that I had never seen before and asked me if I knew who it was. I told him it was Michael and that he was right there with us. Ah, lovely. I mean, but if it's like a grandfather, then like, that's not, that's not that scary. No, no. And I don't think that the spirits you necessarily, that's why people use Ouija boards is because they're hoping to contact loved ones. Right. They, they aren't intending to contact a demon <laughs> and bring a demon into their lives. They're wanting to talk to grandpa. Right. You know? right. Or like Papa, wouldn't it be cool to talk to Papa? It would be cool to talk to Papa. This is number four. Okay. I saw a full-bodied apparition, Glenn says, of his experience with a, a Ouija board. If I can turn the page. The apparition he saw was that of a young girl wearing what looked like commoner's clothing from an antiquated era. He told the story to his neighbors who happened to be historians, and they told him that a little girl just like the one he described used to live in the house. The apparition ended up being a 10-year-old girl named Annalise who died of tuberculosis sometime in the late 1800s. Wow. How did so, you find out? I mean, I guess the historians told him. So I guess he used the Ouija board and contacted that spirit who happened to be there. Luckily, it wasn't an evil spirit. Right. You know, and he actually saw her. Interesting. Full-bodied apparition. And then the last one I've got is when my aunt was 16, she, was, she had a pretty serious boyfriend. When she used the board, she asked if they would get married, and it said no. She asked if they would break up and it said no. Oh. She asked if one of them would die, and it said yes. And when she asked which one of them, it said goodbye. Oh, no way. <laughs> a week later, her boyfriend was in a wood chipper accident at the mill where he worked, and he died. Oh, my God. Wow. Be That's... careful what you ask. Absolutely. I mean, I'm... I mean, that's not what caused his death, but, like, wow. But yeah, how creepy is that? That's insane. And there are so many more stories. But yeah. it really makes me want to use a Ouija board. No, no, no. <laughs> I think if anything, this episode made me want to not do that. <laughs> so, you know. It was funny. We watched last night. Your father is being so good with me. He's letting me watch all these horrible horror movies. And we watched one last night called Witch Hunt. Yeah which was about a card game with witches. Oh, I see. Okay. It. And it, it went horribly wrong. And uh, it reminds me of be careful what you ask for. Oh, fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really though, like you're, you're wanting to use this Ouija board. Be careful what you, what you wish for. Yeah. Or ask. Right. Don't ask questions. It, you don't want, you know, use it properly for one thing. Follow every rule, even if it's just a way out there rule. I'm, uh, although I, I do kind of want to use one in a graveyard. <laughs> no, no. This is, it, you're I, right. This is where Jordan gets it from. Yeah. Thank I know. God, only one of you all. And she got married young enough that, well, I got married young too, but I did all my trouble before I got married and she's already married. So, yay. That doesn't mean she's going to be any less trouble. It was I, husband that they went to the graveyard to do the Ouija board. Yeah, but he is kind of scared of things, so I, I think he can talk her out of most things. Fair. So your yeah. dad's the level-headed one of, of our relationship. Yeah. You know, I still want to go and do, what is the, the app that I want to do that you all wouldn't let me do? Something about coordinates. I don't remember what it's called now. 
yeah, I want to do it. No. And I still think we should do it while we're recording live for our people. Oh, yeah, so they can all watch us get murdered. <laughs> hey, well, we would have a lot of witnesses. We're still dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad my children are normal humans because I'm sure not. But. Good grief. No, I prefer my near-death experiences to be out hiking and stuff. I'd yeah, you've had stuff. enough of those. Yeah, I know. And none of them were spirits or getting murdered. You still almost died. In a good way. <laughs> is is there really a good way to die? Really? Yeah. There are better ways to die anyway. That reminds me of that movie. I, I'm so into the horror movies. Remember that movie? Wait, oh God, I don't remember what it is now, but in the very, it's one of those time loop movie things. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. No, you're thinking of the grave encounters or whatever it is. Grave, My grave encounters. with Elijah. Dushku. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Well, I love that movie too. It's also a, uh, that's a good one too. In fact, that one is definitely not the grade B and C minus that I usually watch. I don't remember what my point was. Never mind. Forget it. I have no idea what I was going to say. Look how red my face is. That's what you get for wine. I know. It's, it's been fun. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween, y'all. <laughs> Oh, right. oh, and be careful with Ouija boards if you use them. Do what? Be careful with Ouija boards if you use them. Definitely. Listen to oh. all my rules. And also, if you do use them, let us know because I'd love to hear your stories. Oh, yeah. Not that we're encouraging you to go use them or anything, but if you do, tell us your stories. <laughs> I no, no, no. I'm sure there's legal liability. No, no, no. We're not. We Disclaimer, <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. But tell us your stories and we'll spread them off. Yes. Yes. All right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Happy, happy, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Thanks, guys.